0: from their lofty offices. Instead of market transactions happening under the watchful eye of the church, these exchanges literally take place over its head and beyond its reach. Training the camera on white Christian America's monuments to its own power reveals similar social transformations. White Christian America's story can be read in the changing uses of three iconic structures, the United Methodist Building in Washington, D.C., the Inter-Church Center on New York City's Upper West Side, and the Crystal Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. These buildings, edifices of the white Protestant Christian hope and power that rose and receded over the course of the 20th century, represent, respectively, the high-water mark of the first wave of white mainline Protestant denominational optimism in the Roaring Twenties, the second wave of white mainline Protestant ecumenism at mid-century and the third wave of white evangelical Protestant resurgence in the 1980s. At each building's opening ceremony, white Protestant leaders spoke in prophetic tones about the indispensable place of Christianity in upholding America's moral and political health. Today, though, all of these buildings have a different purpose from their founders' ambitions. Each edifice has adapted, or even been transformed, to reflect the realities of a swiftly changing country. Indeed, through the life of these buildings, we can see the decline of white Protestant dominance amid the steady diversification of the American religious landscape. In 1922, the Methodist Episcopal Church purchased a muddy lot across the street from the U.S. Capitol. Completed in 1923 and dedicated in 1924, the United Methodist Building was conceived by the nation's largest and most prominent Christian denomination as a sentinel for Protestant Christian witness and social reform in the nation's capital. The five-story triangular limestone edifice would become the only non-government building on Capitol Hill. It towered over Maryland Avenue, its balconies and plate-glass windows facing onto the Capitol's plaza. Its opposite side faced the future site of the U.S. Supreme Court building, which would not be completed until 1935. With a price tag of $650,000, nearly $9 million in 2015 currency, the building was designed in the style of the Italian Renaissance, with a pillared entry hall, a sweeping staircase, and gleaming marble floors. It was an expensive and imposing project, a building that was self-consciously constructed, as one prominent Methodist bishop declared, to make our church visible and multiply its power at this world's center. The famed orator and three-time presidential candidate, William Jennings Bryan, spoke at the building's opening ceremony. A vivid symbol of the era's Protestant optimism, but also its desire to secure its power, the structure represented a hope Christian social values would meld with the ideals of American government. It was also intended to give Protestants an advantage over a growing Catholic population and Methodists a preeminent place among their Protestant peers. The architects of the United Methodist Building believed that they were returning the country's government to its natural state of Christian righteousness. Workers broke ground on the foundation at the pinnacle of a decades-long Protestant crusade against a reviled but powerful foe, alcohol. Cries for the outright prohibition of alcohol began in the mid-19th century, but the temperance movement really took off in the 1870s, when Anglo-Saxon Protestant housewives began to band together against the saloons that dominated their communities. Led by a Methodist woman named Eliza Jane Trimble Thompson, later known as Mother Thompson, devout Protestant women would publicly shame bar owners by praying, singing, and reading the Bible just outside the doors of any watering hole they could find. One of Thompson's followers, Frances Willard, founded the Women's Christian Temperance Union in 1874. And by the early 19th century, Protestant pastors, from Baptists to Episcopalians, were tirelessly working within a well-organized network of churches to promote abstinence from alcoholic beverages. Some congregations even began to require their members to formally renounce drinking before they were admitted into the fold.